0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Midwatch. As usual, this podcast is brought to you by www.bzgear.net. You can stop by there to check out the new uh, 2019 Fall Winter Collection. We have a couple new hoodies, the uh, winter scully hats, and a couple new long sleeve shirts. Uh, it's one of the best ways to support the podcast, and the best thing about it is 10% of all proceeds are given to veteran charities. Also excited to announce on this podcast that we have our first official sponsor of the podcast, and that is pinitcard.com. They have a couple of accessories for every branch, uh, Navy, Marines, Army, Air Force, and Coast Guard. A couple of these cool accessories that allow you to put your ribbons, medals, warfare devices um, on the exact spot that they need to go on your dress uniform uh, takes takes out all the guests in i know some of us use a pen to to measure where our ribbons go above the breast pocket but this card specifically lays out exactly where they need to go um, and it's a cool little tool that's only a couple bucks uh, they also have a cool carrying case for your ribbon rack metals and, and anything else you kind of want to put in there uh, it's a big hard shell zippered case with some flaps on the inside that you can attach your medals and ribbons to Um, that helps you protect them while they're not on your uniform. You can stuff them in your sea bag, in your duffel bag, in your rack on the ship, whatever the case may be. Uh, But it's a nice hard hard shell case that uh, allows you to keep your medals and ribbons protected while they are not on your uniform. On this episode of the podcast, we have a very special guest, Senior Chief Chris Brown, who is currently the independent duty corpsman on the USS Tripoli. Uh, as we always do on the podcast, we just kind of went through a timeline of his career, talked about some of the uh, commands that he served at. Uh, he was on about four or five different ships that he served on throughout his career. He also did a nine-month nine deployment out to Afghanistan uh, during the height of the war, um, which he had a, you know, a couple good stories from that. Uh, just a lot of good lessons learned, a lot of good experiences through his 23 year career. And I hope you guys enjoy the podcast just as much as I did. All right, senior. So I appreciate you taking your time out, um, of your, uh, your night to come to this podcast with me. Um, just kind of familiarize you with the podcast. It's called the midwatch. Um, the idea behind the name is, as you know, on the midwatch, it's in the middle of the night, not much going on. So normally, there's always random conversations that uh, that are had. So that's kind of the theme behind the podcast. Just kind of have any random guests on, talk about any kind of subject. Uh, today's podcast, I'd like to kind of go through your career. Um, you know, back in the day, in order for service members' stories to get told, you know, History Channel, Discovery Channel, had to do like a big production. And it, w- it, w- it was hard because we didn't have all this technology that we have sure. today. So um, I kind of like to use you know, the ease of being able to do something like this, um to kind of give back in a way and, and kind of be able to tell people stories um that may have never been told sure. You know, without this. Um so uh obviously we met, we're both stationed down here uh in, in Mississippi, um and you are currently the I D C uh, on board the USS Tripoli. No. Um so I just kinda wanna give you a chance to, to kinda tell, you know, what you do on the day to day um and, and what exactly IDC means. Um on the ship
1: okay so yeah independent duty corpsman we pretty much have a a patient care load Uh, it's kind of hard you know as you know to talk about uh, how do we relate to the outside world like yeah we still have a patient load and we see patients but i can't see patients that aren't active duty Mm -hmm. so on the day-to-day basis we still have patients that come in every day you know take care of them Um, also the you know departmental lcpo leading chief petty officer there is a senior chief that's mostly what i do on the day-to-day basis lots of meetings and admin and making sure we get the the ship all set up ready to go from one day one when you have your move aboard that you're ready to see patients so all the the behind the scenes action to make sure we got all the supplies and everything we need to treat a patient because actually you know day one we have a casualty what do you do you have to know your equipment and know where to find it and make sure you have that equipment so that's basically what we're trying to get done now with all the people that are down here in the old Pascagoula, mississippi <laughs> but uh yeah so uh that's pretty much what we do on a daily mm-hmm. basis. Lots of meetings and lots of uh, treating patients. Because really, I, I tell them all the time, that's our gear. Like you're mm-hmm. my, my piece of gear. So I, you relate it to, uh, you know, a fire controlman or OS. Like how do you know your gear's messed up? Bells and whistles start going off or it just doesn't work. I don't know if you don't tell me what's the matter with you. So right. let me know what's going on with you, and then we can treat you as best we can down here with what we have.
0: It's a it's a pretty interesting like dynamic. Um, something that I'm definitely learning. Uh, you know, obviously being new to the rate. And then obviously being new to, to the surface fleet um, is just the, the wide range of like things that you have to do being the IDC on board. Um, I mean, obviously in subway IDCs, but I didn't really, I didn't know the world, sure. you know, as much as I do now, but kind of like you said, you know, to, to kind of translate it to civilian terminology, you know, you're the, you're the doctor of the practice. You're also the office manager, <laughs> you know, you're, you're also the maintenance man. Um, so it's definitely a lot uh, and you're responsible for all those things, you know, yeah. which is definitely a... A huge responsibility, a huge burden um, that you guys have. Um, so I, I like to uh, start out, you know, wh- who was senior in high school? You know, did you play sports? Was he in the chess club? Uh, <laughs> you know, um, and, and kind of what led you to joining the the military and, and what made you choose the Navy out of all the branches?
1: It's a kind of crazy story. I played a lot of sports in high school, uh, played baseball mostly. So, our baseball coach was all about baseball. You know, my freshman year, I lettered in like five sports. And he's like, look, you know what, if you guys want to be good, he's like, forget all the, you know, playing all these sports. Like, you're dedicated because, you know, I grew up in Florida and we play baseball year-round. So, uh, he's like, you know, don't worry about playing football and basketball and all these other sports. Like, you guys want to win, we're going to play baseball and we're going to be good. So, uh, he just let us play only baseball, man. We won state twice, so it's kind of a big deal. But it's kind of a running joke um, uh, that we had a, a Staff Sergeant Green this guy he would not let you alone if you wanted to uh, if you thought that you wanted to join the service. So uh, I told him I, I had diabetes. I was like, "Yeah, they, you know, my dad was in the military, but I have diabetes. They won't let me join. so They would never mess with me." <laughs> <laughs> so we had my little buddy Dusty uh, Sergeant Green be walking around like, "Hey, what's up, guys?" They're like, "Hey, that dude him right there, man, he wants to join." So uh, they would mess with him. You, you wouldn't be able to eat your lunch. Like, he would be in your grill all day trying to make those quotas. So, uh,
0: so this is like a recruiter that was like in the, he was, in the like came back to the high school oh. with. So
1: we would always, you know, just laugh whatever about that. So uh, yeah, I told him I had diabetes, so I couldn't join. So uh, you know, going through high school, uh, senior notables, I was a class clown, so just a big goofy guy, whatever you know, playing sports and like to have fun and I took like three lunches like, for most of my my senior year. And just mess around and didn't really have a lot of direction, just mess around, you know. Um, so uh, come later on, I went to I went to USF, I went to college for a little bit and uh, you know started you know being a lot more interested in girls and hanging out than going to class. so grades started falling off and they're like, yeah, you can come here, but you know, you're not having a scholarship anymore. So I was like, what do you do with your life? My parents didn't have enough money for me to go anywhere else. So I'm like, man, let me join the service. So funny story, I go back and I'm talking to the recruiter. Her son actually played for the baseball team. So I went in there and I was talking about, you know, thinking about joining the Navy. And she's like, didn't there some reason like you could join the Navy or something? I was like, man, I just told you all that. So uh, uh, you wouldn't mess with me while I was at school. So uh <laughs> signed up for the Navy, man. Like I was in debt for four or five months and I was gone. Uh, but yeah, so. You know, it's crazy how things happen like that,
0: but yeah. And what year was that senior? Ninety four. <laughs> Nineteen ninety four. I, I didn't realize they 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 had like debt back then. I thought yeah. that was I thought that was like more of a newer thing. Okay. Um yeah. so what made you uh pick the navy?
1: So my sister, she was a nurse and um when i went there i wasn't really sure what i wanted to do but i know and i talked to the recruiters like i said i was friends with her son so she's like look i'm not gonna let you get hosed around and like oh yeah you don't know what you want to be let's go to the navy you can <laughs> you know sell your that out dream. There. Yeah. yeah so she was like make sure you go to school but don't just pick something that you know like oh i want to do computers i don't know anything about computers you know my dad been to computers like 30 years i don't know anything about him right so like why would i do that so I was looking at what they had, and I scored pretty good on the test. So they were like, um, "You know, this this is what we have offered for you." I was like, "Well, my sister's a nurse. You know, I like to help people. So you know, let me try that." Twenty four years la- <laughs>
0: four years later, here we are. So what's um? Do you have any like interesting stories? Um, you know, I feel like a lot of people had like that oh shit moment in boot camp when they're like, oh, like man. wow, like like what did I get myself into. Um, any kind of like stories I made that may have stuck with you over the years?
1: So seaman apprentice says, well. I am mean, we're still a recruit while you're in there, but you right. know, so um, I was an Eagle Scout growing up, so uh, I had e two pay going in there, right? So okay. you know, but um, uh, the class clown of me, you know, in boot camp. Man, I went to IT like eight times. I went to intensive training the day we graduated. That was me. So uh, like week three, of course, I, you know, the kind of clowns gra- um, gravitated together. My, um, one of my buddy, he was like the next bunk over, Johnson. He was from Philly, this kid. So uh, one day we're going to sleep, and I look over, man, he's drinking a soda. I'm like, man, where you get that soda from, man? We're on like week two or three. So, he's like, uh, he's like, man, I just went over to the machines, you know, and the, the, the lounge over there is open, man. Like, I you know, I didn't think the machines would work, but they, you can get sodas out of there. So, <laughs> I said, all right, cool. So, you know, everybody went to sleep. We snuck over there drinking sodas. Like, how do we get rid of the trash, you know, because you got a watch that are staying a watch all night. Right. Man. So, we stick it in our boot <laughs> the next morning, you know, kind of like waiting to, you know, throw it out when we go into chow in the morning, right? So, um, Uh, my rdc sneaks in early tells the watch like don't say nothing so he's just walking around looking in there of course he finds the cans in our boots man (laughs) because of course we didn't like scrunch it up and put it towards the toes we just stuck it in there because no nobody's gonna look in our boot in the morning man i times three (laughs) so another time we're coming out right so we're in week like five or six And, uh, you know, you, um, the schoolhouse. So well, back then you didn't have like ships, man. You had to go like March forever to go to the schoolhouse and come back. And our, your ship was like a, your division, like way down the way, right? Like a uh-huh. mile and a half March or whatever. Right. So we're coming out of the schoolhouse and I was, you know, you know, since I'm the tallest one in the division, uh, I was a stick uh, bear. So, uh, I, we had to run over and get our our flags, and then run over and get back with us. So mm-hmm. we're coming out. You know, we're already through week five, six. All mm-hmm. uh, you know, our, our service week. And we're coming around the corner. And we saw these new kids coming out of the gas chamber. <laughs> they were like hacking and sneezing and drool all out their nose, whatever. So me be my buddy We're all laughing at him, pointing. Man, this little dude was eating lunch in his car. Little chief he comes running out like, "Oh, you're on no military bearing. I know IT." <laughs> so I'm like, "Man, what is he saying, dude?" IT times three, you're like, man, what is going on? So, yeah, that was uh, that was another couple of days I had an IT. And then um, the, at the very end, we got in trouble again for something. And then my last two days of boot camp, I went to IT again. So back then, it's kind of crazy. You would march down three in the morning. We go down probably like four miles. You got to walk down there. And it's so like, man, what like thinking about? What did I do? I'm so stupid. You know, I'm about to graduate tomorrow. It's Thursday. Like, So we marched all the way down there. Uh... They put you on these numbers. There's like a little plaque on the floor, so it had numbers. However many people, you know, it's up to a hundred or whatever. Like rows of ten, and had like this little number right in front of you. So that was number. They would write down your name and put it on there. So they make you go through these bunch of dang exercises, like beating the bejesus out of you. And if you drop, they would say like, "Hey, number seven, you need to, you know, get with it." So all right, cool. I know, like, okay, that's my warning. They call your number again. You fail. You got to finish the rest of that day, but you still fail for that day and got to come back and make that day up. So I'm like, oh man. So uh, that just kind of like motivation for you to keep on going, or whatever. But mm-hmm. then um, there was a lot of um, uh, there was probably like forty or fifty in the group. So by the end, there's like you know males, females, whatever. The run at the very end it was kind of a slow pace, you know, because they had to make it you know good for everybody. Right. So once you finish all them, like the last one was push-ups. Oh my God, man! They would make you do like halfway down, all the way down, and just like after an hour of getting beat, it was horrible. But yeah so that was the clown brown and freaking boot camp man <laughs> it eight days stupid so <laughs>
0: it was like a it was
1: a place you had to go to they, yeah. oh wow mm-hmm. yes, intensive yeah. training kind of like they uh, there was another one that called them um, it was worse like people that actually got in trouble got in trouble with the weapons and you know they had to like hold it out and if um, you like drop it down they could like hit you and all that like craziness back in the day but <laughs> oh wow it was it was a it was a workout man it was bad
0: so were you um in 94 was it still uh the different boot camps was it still like or did you go to Great Lakes? As I well? went to Great Lakes, no. but it
1: was just the end of Orlando. So Orlando was just going on, you know, growing up in Tampa. I'm like, man, why can't I go right here to Orlando, Uh-oh. man? I'm not right at home. But I had follow on for core school. So they were like, I will oh, just no. ship you to Great Lakes and you're right next door to it. So, yeah, uh-huh. they were just finishing. Okay.
0: So you, you made it through boot camp. A um, little couple hiccups, <laughs> but <laughs> you made it it's through. my life. So, uh was it a, were you like on hold at all, or did you just kind of roll rein to, rein was to the court? I a 900 company, which oh. is
1: crazy, because usually you get in, you know, trouble in a 900 company, they'll shift you over to one of the, the regular companies right. there, but you didn't get in too much trouble. That was another thing my recruiter, she told me, she's like, yeah, you know, you don't play any musical instruments, so just tell me you sing or something, man, you'll be all right. And I kind of did in high school, so, yeah got me into the 900 company man
0: nice yeah th- th- so those are the ones that they're the ones that like conduct the graduations right like yeah. the play yeah oh, that's a good gig <laughs> uh,
1: that was that was what we got in trouble for too the last two days so they have a mom and pop night right on the Wednesdays um, uh you know your family come out there right before everybody's graduating so us we're not the senior class but they had to have somebody perform for them so we are the triple threat or whatever so we went over there to go sing for that so you know we're in the same uniforms as all of them you know we were it's uh, Johnny Cash is back then the whole black with the, you know, black tie and whatnot. So me and my boy, said <laughs> we snuck over to use the phones and we got caught using the phones that we were <laughs> at the graduating class. So we had IT two more days. <laughs> <laughs> I was stupid. Yeah. So um, what what months were you there? I uh, got there in, I don't know, I think back September and then uh, we graduated November 9th. September 6th to November 9th. Mm.
0: So um and then you said you rolled right into to core, core school yeah, so like,
1: no joke just walked across the street with my c bag over to NTC and went to core school
0: so what was core school like because uh I always hear stories of Great Lakes but I mean because I went through it obviously the Nor one down in Texas um but I, I, I from my understanding from a couple of people I've actually had on the podcast different age groups of of or um different career lengths of different corpsmen it seems like that school kind of went through like different inter, uh different um, phases phases there yeah Yeah, that's a good word like at one point it was like self-paced and then the computer based so um what what was it like for you
1: so ours all class-based it was 14 weeks we did uh 12 weeks of didactic and then the two weeks in the va at the end um we uh we had a christmas break so ours was longer but um the uh what you call it the uh the actual class itself was you know 12 weeks of schooling and and as you know man we had at least like two tests a week right it was it was you know you had to study to you know get through it if you didn't really know your medical stuff but yeah that was that was a good time though we had a good time there i i i ranked out pretty good in the class there i actually like bear down and pay attention to what i was doing you know like i'm not like, getting in trouble like i was at boot camp all the time like, let me get through this school man go on to where i need to get to plus i knew i know uh, when we first got there they told us like look usually your grades have your grades fall out is where you get to pick orders right so back then usually like um the only they had like two or three orders for the West Coast. The rest was all East Coast. I'm like, ah, you might get hosed and, you know, stay up in Great Lakes or get to Bethesda, you know, a dime a dozen. So just do good in school. You might get better orders. I'm like, oh, let me do that. So I ranked out pretty good.
0: Did your buddy uh, from boot camp, was he also a coimant or He wasn't, no. Nah, nah, he was uh, an
1: SH. But, yeah, we kept in touch for a little while. And then uh, probably after like three or four years, yeah, just ended up, you know, disappearing. You know, we didn't have, you know, Facebook and right. um MySpace and all that back then. So it's funny. I've like looked around here and there for him, but his name Barry Johnson, like how, how common of a name is that? <laughs> oh he's from Philly. Okay, cool. There's only like five thousand of those. <laughs> so yeah.
0: So uh you, you finish up core school. Um was it's uh was it still pretty similar to like where you kind of had all the options for the, the different C schools like x-ray tech all that kind of stuff you Great.
1: could but we uh, I was
0: kind of harder back then they, they were like oh I'll go to your command and then you ask
1: for it so we only had like our ace the person that got the, the best grade in the class he was the only one that really got a school out of that we had a few put in but they're like I go to a command see a, you know go and work in the pharmacy for a while see if you like it or go in the x-ray and shoot them for a while they didn't really get anybody any C school straight out of there And was, it was the
0: um well, I mean, I'm sure it was, but the, the Greenside dynamic to it. Were you, could you go to Greenside out of school? Or?
1: You couldn't really pick back then. Mm-hmm. Um, the class before us, every single male, they, the whole class, they come in there one day and they're like, oh, yeah, you guys are going to get orders. They're like, oh, cool, okay, all you males right here, you're going to FMTB or FMSS back then. So mm-hmm. all them, and we're on the east side, so you're all going to Lejeune. Like, no joke, like a class of, like, 30-something males all went. And that was the class before us. So I'm like, ah, you know, I kind of have that choice. I don't really have to go there, which – high inside, i should have went when i was a lot younger because that was uh we had fun man but it was a lot tougher you know than you know going 12 years later than going you know right when you're fresh out of boot camp and in good shape
0: right yeah i had a um uh one o'hara he was a uh, he was an idc at my last command um i had him on the podcast i believe he joined in like 96 97 um but he was saying how back then it was like uh it was like it was like an episode of mash like like the F well, FMSS. FMSS. He was like he was very like outdated and yeah. like it was all like Vietnam era stuff that they had. Yeah. And, um,
1: nowhere near the technology there, all the cut suits and all that. The right. training. The training wasn't there. It was more mm-hmm. like let's beat you into shape and get you into Marine Corps mentality mm-hmm. than actually give you the training you need to help save lives. So
0: and like T like, wasn't really a thing either, right? Yeah. yeah. So that's all fairly out of the newer wars. Um, so where was your first command right at a core school?
1: So there uh, I went to Charleston, South Carolina. The Clown Brown getting in trouble again, you know, 18, uh, well, 19 at that time, I go to Charleston they had this nightclub downtown level two. And uh, one of my buddies, So I'm a brig sit call corpsman. So I have to go to the brig every day, you know, and it's my turn. So once a month, usually for a week. So one of the weeks out of the month, I'll go over there and just help with the IDC and we do vital signs and whatnot. So I played a lot of softball too. So I met this guy on the softball field as we're talking. Then I saw him at the, um, the brig. He was an MS2, you know, cook. So, uh, he, uh, he was talking about, Hey, you know, you know, level two downtown. He's like a couple of the guys here, like we bought part of it. Like we're owners of the, you know, the club down there. And I was like, I, ah, you know, I'm not old enough. He's like, yeah, you are. <laughs> so he gave me a VIP pass to the best nightclub in town. So, you know, I'm just working in the hospital, doing my thing. Well, I worked in the the red team. So it was just like a basic regular, one of the clinics, the general practice clinics So we had, uh, like two IDCs and about three doctors, about 15 corpsmen and did our thing in there. But yeah, so, you know, we worked hard and played hard there in Charleston. Yeah, it was a good time when the hospital was open back then. It's was pretty was, good.
0: Was that like where the nuke was? Nuke school down so there? It so it was. Or, or, okay. the,
1: there were still ships down there. We still had like five ships. The subs were still there. They were just cleared uh, wow. out and shutting down the base, hmm. right in the beginning of the time my time there. But yeah, it was pretty booming back then. Like we went back a couple of years ago. That place is desolate now. Like you can, the military put so much money into that town. It's crazy. It doesn't look anything like it did back in the day. Hmm. But yeah, we had a good time out there, Charleston, uh, learned a lot. We had a lot of training. We'd go up to the ward a lot, so they hook us up there. Uh, the general surgeon let us get into surgeries and whatnot. So there was a ton of training. So back then, when you went to one of those hospitals, it was, you had 18-month orders. So you would go and you would train. You know, they would just get you ready to be a corpsman. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, I like it better, so you don't go straight to a ship and we got to teach you everything or go to you know go over here to with the Marines. Oh, okay, cool, you're with the, with the Marines. We're going to expect you to know everything. You don't right. know anything. Uh, you just graduated yesterday. So that was a pretty good time. A lot of time and uh, getting up there, doing surgeries, uh, minor procedures, you know, toenails and all those kind of stuff, learning medications and, you know, what to give for what and how to do basic sick call. So, yeah, it was a pretty good time down there in Charleston.
0: Uh, um, it's interesting that you say that about, like, how, like, the orders used to be because I was talking to a, um, at my last command, I was actually talking to my OIC, and she was saying that's, like, um, that's kind of why we have so many, like, civilian MAs and stuff at clinics was because, like it was normally supposed to be manned by them. So like the corpsman could kind of rotate yeah. out as as you were saying. So yeah, we well, didn't have any civilians yeah. there. Uh, it was all
1: active duty. Uh, and you've seen the transition yeah. now. It's like 50, 50 ish. We didn't have any civilians that worked in there. And then you like trickled in one or two. They were like a health benefits advisor, or, mm-hmm. uh, one of the appointment, clerk or whatnot. But yeah, the front desk people, that was all us.
0: Yeah, definitely. um I mean, I, I, I had a really good, um, division at, at Kings Bay. Like, all my corpsmen I was with were all greenside guys, and then I was in undersea medicine with the UMO, so he was kind of like a diver bro. Um, yeah, I was so, talking about Dr. Davis. <laughs> yeah, yep. And then, uh, yeah, I was there for a little bit for him, and then his replacement, when he came up to Norfolk, uh, Lieutenant Schwan was his replacement. Um he was a, he was a, he was a, he was a good, a good guy to work for, um, mandatory two hour lunches for PT, <laughs> stuff like that. So it was, um, but he was very, he liked bringing us in on a lot of stuff. So he, he, he I thought he was a good doctor. Um, but some of the people stuck in like primary care, like I just like, they're just like vital sign techs, yeah. you know, and just, yeah. it's, it stinks. Cause they get there and they're 18 years old and you know, they want to do stuff, but they're just taking vital signs and then they end up getting out cause yeah. they're like, they think that's all it is, you know? So. It's kind of a shame. Um, So you did your first tour at the the hospital. Um, What was kind of your mindset? You know, a lot of people say, you know, four and done. And then, you know, 20 years later there. So was it, were you in that kind of mindset or did you want a certain school or?
1: Uh, At that point, no. Because like I said, it was only 18 months. So I had a great time Uh, there. I'm like, oh, this is a name, you know, this is cool um when I went up to go get for so back then they used to have the palmy um plans and organization management whatever they uh forget that whole acronym so palmy back then uh you go upstairs and like okay cool you're in your orders window like let's talk and back then like they would have the detail that, all right cool this is what I got man as a e3 I you was know, e3 then um <coughs> they had uh everywhere in the world for me you know single didn't have any dependents man they offered me anything so one of my buddies that I worked in the teams with um downstairs uh not the teams, but you know the the medical team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, we played softball together, and he got orders to Gaeta, Italy. So they had like Rhoda or Gaeta, and um, uh, another one over there in Spain, um, Naples, Sigonella, uh, all of them. I was like, well, you know, my buddy Jess, he's going to Gaeta. Let me go to Gaeta. So uh, man, that was the best kept secret in the world. You have <laughs> no idea. Like you could walk to the beach in like ten minutes, or you can you know drive a couple hours and be up in the Swiss Alps. Mm-hmm. It was insane. So, another one out there, you know, working hard, playing hard.
0: That's yeah. not, that's, so where was it in, in, um, in relation to, like, Naples?
1: So, it's about an hour north of Naples and about 45 minutes south of Rome, right on the water. Oh, wow. So, um, the beach that's there in Gaeta that I was talking about, that's, like, the Daytona or South Padre Island, that's where people from Austria, Switzerland, Germany, they would come to our beach, like, for their summertime. So, it was pretty big, you know, beach in Europe, but man one of the best climbing spots in the world uh, we go camping and stuff out there in the abruzzi mountains insane so ridiculous
0: was I mean, it 18 months there as well it or wasn't uh, so
1: there? um uh those were you had two-year orders but everybody OTAP. you know they took an extra year out there so i ended up doing three years out there man that's that was awesome like you're <laughs> gonna pay me extra to live in italy like, okay <laughs> let me take that
0: were you um so what was it was it were you able to like live out in town or were we you all still? had to
1: so back then oh. the sixth fleet was still there um, the flagship was there LaSalle. so so um, I got into uh doing uh, audiograms there so I was the audio tech on the on the hill so our doctor that was on the ship he was man I love that dude Dr. Taylor um He's like, hey, you know, you hook us up with all these autograms on the ship. He's like, you want some underway time? I'm like, I'll bring you underway, you no know, cost TAD. I'm like, all right, cool. It was the flagship. So, you know, three star Admiral, Admiral Abbott was on there back then, Admiral Walsh. So we go out there, and uh, um, the Black Sea Cruise, like, that was the one to get on. You go on there for a month and hit eight different countries. I'm like, eight countries in one month, and I get sea pay, and you're going to pay me all this extra, and I got a place to live? Like, yeah, I'll take that, man. Another one, holy cow, saw the world over there. So I went on way with them like five times because I got to know the crew that was there and their doctor. I got in real good with him. So we probably hit like um, 40 ports in, in three years. Wow. Yeah.
0: What was your favorite port?
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, Besides um, all of them. <laughs> Mal- Malta. Malta's pretty insane. That was a good time over there. Um, A uh, lot, lot to do over there. Palma, Mallorca. Kind of like, you know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Ibiza. Mm-hmm. Ibiza, Spain. It's like right next to that. Okay. So it's kind of owned by the – um. there's a lot of uh, English people that are out there. So they have, the, you know, big clubs, and they have, uh, like, go-karts and water parks and all that stuff. And they have, you know, a bunch of stuff to see during the day. So we'd go out and do, like, the little touristy thing and see the whole island, do our thing during the day, and then go hang out and have fun at night yeah that was a pretty good time I mean so many countries so much to see it's insane
0: so what was like the um, because obviously this is pre like Mm -hmm. 9-11 you know obviously we're we're pretty far gone from like Desert Storm so what was like the uh, tempo I get like up tempo of like the military back then just kind of
1: so much slower. So, like you said, a Desert Storm already had fell off. So most, like I said, all the you know the stories or the history I talk about for myself and most of the people that were there. You're, you're I mean, you work hard while you're at work, but most of the time it was like. Not that I wasn't in the military, but it wasn't that sense of urgency like, yeah, we're at war right now or, right. hey, we're out here to do this. I didn't get that feeling. I don't know if it's just because I was so young or it really wasn't that much because, honestly, there wasn't really a lot like this going on. There right. was no Iraq. There was no Afghanistan. Um, Desert Storm was, like, long out of our, our purview. So it was pretty much just like, hey, you know, we're on ships so and we go around and we're just protecting the sea lanes. But it's, you know, zero danger. You right. know, we're out here just kind of having fun and doing our job.
0: So, um, where so what year are we at? Like, like around right now? That was, like,
1: um, so I left the, uh, Italy, uh, the end of 99, early 2000.
0: Okay. So is that, uh, when was the coal? The coal was 2000, right? Yeah. So this is still pre-coal. Yeah. So where'd you go to next?
1: I went to a Naval Hospital, Jacksonville. I was the, uh, so funny you say, the coal, I was the fleet liaison and uh, med hold guy. I used to do all the message traffic, and we had hold all the med hold guys, you know, coming from the ship that were hurt and get them better. Mm-hmm. So uh, we had a lot of people from the coal come on med hold that came over there. So we got to see a lot of those guys and girls. They, they
0: like, came like to the hospital? Yeah, mm-hmm. oh, wow. uh,
1: So, you know, what happened overseas, so they mm-hmm. shipped them over there, and they, we had some inpatient people. We had people that were we put up in the barracks and getting their treatment for mental health. So we saw a lot of that over there. So basically back, you know, I was, I didn't do any medicine there. It was all, you know, message traffic and admin and, you know, people. Mm-hmm. So seeing that aspect of it, you know, learning how, you know, so i made E4 already and I was going up for E5, uh, having like 30 people I was in charge of and making sure like, you know, okay, I got a new guy med hole, like, where do I put you at? So I had to kind of liaison with the whole the whole hospital and get people to, to work and give them the time to get better.
0: So they would like, come like work and like records and stuff like yeah. that kind of like like non anything non-medical medical. so
1: even records is kind of hard because uh the whole hipaa and all that uh, whatnot and you know corman so we'd get them out in facilities or they would help with the uh supply because you have supply in uh, the hospital right. so um some people work down there in the galley just doing the admin like uh the, the books or whatnot making sure people are signing in for when they, they're going to eat or whatnot just any kind of random admin jobs
0: what was the, any um I mean, because that's obviously a pretty significant, like, event, you know, the recent history, I guess you could say. Any kind of, like, you know, stories or kind of talking to any of those guys, anything kind of? No, you know.
1: just uh I mean, the fact that it happened, you know, they're hanging out one day, kind of like mm-hmm. us, you know, we're hanging mm-hmm. out at a port, having a great time. The next thing you know, like, your friends are getting hurt and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of shocking. You're not expecting that. We talk a lot about you know Marines like they train and they're going. They know they're going to war, so it makes it a little bit easier. But you know, I, you know, I'm just joining the Navy to get away from home to make some money because I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. And all of a sudden, you're out, you know, port hopping and going to places like, oh, this is awesome. And then you get hit. You're like, reality kind of hits and sinks right. in. It was kind of rough for a lot of those people.
0: So, um, what was? I mean, you know, obviously after 9/11, the atmosphere changed a lot um what was it was it anything like that after the coal because i mean i was 11 i mean like I, I i remember i remember i remember it happening but i mean obviously i wasn't you know uh in that maturity state to kind of yeah. pay attention to global you know yeah. so like what like especially like in the military did, did the you know tempo or or mind change at all nah, or just not just, that i saw
1: mm-hmm. not from the hospital Corman, you know hanging out you know Shore side states, you didn't really see it as much.
0: So, um, I, I always like to ask this question because, uh, you know, this is something that I do remember. Well, um, so I am um, 2001, you're still at Jack's, mm-hmm. so you know, that day, um, I mean, I was in like I was in sixth grade, I was in Mr. Darty's class during, during journal time because I mean, I lived 30 minutes from it. I could go to my boardwalk in my town and like that that smoke plume like that yeah, famous yeah. picture like that was like taken from like my like pretty oh, much where okay. i lived um i had a, a a white and blue p Miller uh terry cloth track suit on uh. with my uh, white <laughs> white and red iris and fours like i remember to a t everything um because there was a uh, an army base in our town uh fort Monmouth, and everyone thought that was next so like we had parents like ripping kids out of school um so i mean i remember that day very vividly as as a 12 year old um, as someone in the military, like, you know, I, I always love asking this question uh, to everyone I have on the podcast. Like, what was what was that day like?
1: I do remember. <laughs> so um, I was married then. Uh, I met my wife and we were married. So she was at work. I had that day off for some reason. Um, I don't remember what day of the week it was, but I remember this is I'm going to date myself here. Tuesday. I, was, <laughs> Tuesday. I was at a Blockbuster video. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no joke. So I'm walking through there, and uh, I'm looking around, looking around. Like um, I remember because she was supposed to be getting off early. We were going to go hang out and do something and then watch a movie later. But uh, I, I, they, they were watching it on TV there at the Blockbuster. So I was like, hey, what movie is that? And oh, they're wow. like. That's not a movie. That's New York City. I'm like, yeah, right. And they're like, it kind of sinking in. Like, no, like the, the 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 World Trade Center is being attacked. I'm just, I, I was just like in shock. I was looking at it like no joke, watching the TV, and we watched the first plane hit. And huh. I was like, you're kidding me right now. I was in like complete shock. I I can r- vividly remember, like you said, I was just standing there like, oh my god, like what's going on right now. So I called my wife and I was like, are you seeing this? She's like, yeah, you know, my sister just called me and this is what's going on. I'm like, oh my word. I was like, all right, cool. Let me go back to the house, see what's going on, try to call some people. Cause you know, back then, man, we didn't really, you know, that was my first cell phone I had that big old brick still. <laughs> so uh, I ran to the house and I, I called my chief and I was like, chief, are you watching this? And that like, as soon as we were on the phone together, um, the second plane hit and we were just like, man, he's like, all right, just chill there. I'm going to call the command see what's up. So everybody, they, they locked the base down. Right? <laughs> so everybody that was off the base or like stay at your house, like don't do anything. We'll just hang out here. They called us back into the hospital eventually. Uh, a couple hours later and we were stuck there for like 72 hours on lockdown mm-hmm. making sure you know that everybody was safe and that we were there in case anything happened that they tried anything else but yeah man i, I could still remember watching the tv what movie is that that's
0: crazy shocker man <clears throat> so uh what was um one one quote uh i've i've recently heard that like i really loved um you know it. Dakota Meyer actually said it, you know, Dakota Meyer, oh, Medal yes. of Honor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I follow him, like, pretty well and on, on all the social media. Um, actually, the uh, I had Lieutenant Commander uh, Selby. She's a, a flight nurse with the Marines. I had her on uh, two episodes ago. She actually just, her and Dakota Meyer just went and got skydive qualified together. Oh, so, it, so it was pretty cool, um, but uh, kind of one-off subject there. But he had a quote, um, you know, uh, never in my life would I ever want another September 11th but I would give anything for another September 12th, Um, you know, because just how the country, you know, pull together. Um, So what was, like, that next day like, like, being in the military? You know, was, like, was everyone ready to go? Like, you know. (laughs) Well, we were. We were there at the hospital, and we were just
1: like, yeah, come around here and try to mess with us. Like, you know, obviously the medical, like, we're not going to go out there doing the shooting or whatnot, but, like, making sure they're ready and, you know, be there to take care of anybody if anything happens here. So, yeah, I just, man – yeah, we were we we're all there at the hospital for like three days, you know, living off of the galley food and uh kinda, you know, living in the same clothes
0: and all that, just in shock
1: of like what's going on. Well
0: um was it like a were they trying to do like a big sweep for Greenside? Or I mean I guess I mean we really didn't make a push for like another year, no, right? Yeah, yeah. So oh, okay. Um so how much longer were you were you at Jack's after that?
1: I left Jack's in <laughs> February of oh two.
0: Okay. And was that was there? were we ramping up at all at that point or no? Cause no? so it was it Oh three is when we went Ish- into yeah. Iraq, Iraq, Iraq. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then we didn't do anything until Afghanistan, Afghanistan was after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So where'd you go after Jack's?
1: I went to field med. Oh, all right. so, <laughs> yeah. I should have went way earlier, but yeah, I went to field med, but it ended up working out really good. Um, I went into California, so I had follow on orders. I was supposed to go out to, uh, first Marine not for uh, third third Marines out there in, uh, uh, in Japan. <laughs> so they sent me uh, to California um, so right before that I'd hurt my shoulder so me working in the Fleet liaison office I tore my shoulder right so I had a high shoulder surgery in October. And uh, they were like, oh, you're going to be on LIMDU. I'm like, what do you mean I'm on LIMDU? Like, I work at a desk in the hospital. I, I didn't tell them I had to order this. <laughs> I was like, let them get me to California, and then we'll have to see what happens out there. <laughs> so uh, I get out there, go through field med. We're on the final week. So back then, in the final week of field med, you would have to um, uh, you would do your hump or whatnot. Like, you had to stay up all night doing your stuff, and then the next day you'd do a 12-mile hump. So we were doing these low-crawling drills the night, you know, the night before, morning of, whatever. I felt it like I popped back out. So I don't know if you ever heard of a weaver done. So I had an AC separation. So they cut one of the ligaments and flooped it around the, the front there and, like, sewed it in together, right? So we are doing these low-crawling drills. That popped. Like, I could totally feel it popped out. Like, you could still feel it now. It's crazy, like, the lump that's here, right? So my shoulder pops out. Like, I'm in so much pain. I go to see the IDC. And uh, he was like, no, you're not going. I was like, look, bro, I, I made all this time. Like, I will make this hump. Like, give me some freaking Motrin and just let me do my thing, whatever. <laughs> so he did. Um, Frank Percy, you ever heard that dude's name? Like, a lot of people know him. In Frank the, Percy. The, he used to be a chief back then. He just uh, he retired a couple, uh, couple months ago. He's a, he made it up to a commander. He went through PA school and all that. Great dude, right? He was, man, you're talking about a hardcore corpsman, that dude. He used to beat us and have, like, 10-pound weights on his ankles. Like, he would have <laughs> pants like this. You wouldn't even know it. And wake up and like, it's like he would show you, like, oh my god, this dude was just killing us running and then doing leg lifts and all these exercises. He got weights on his ankles, <laughs> but yeah, he's like, What's the matter with you? Oh, you got that? Get out of my face, what's the matter with you? So then you, you could just see on his face when I told him, I was like, My shoulder, and he was like, Let me see. And you could just tell, like, okay, I'm gonna stop being hard and I'm gonna be like the provider type, like, Go sit over there. <laughs> so he's like, Dude, what the heck, man? So I was like, Yeah, you know, I had a shoulder surgery, he's like, in October, like, you just had surgery, like, blah, blah. So he read me the riot act but gave me some motor and I made it through. <laughs> but then they were like, you know, we send you out there, you're gone, man. Like all that stuff that was going down, right. like, you're deploying, man. And I was in are like, we're going to put you on Limdu. So I didn't end up going Limdu, but, uh, they got me orders, uh, kind of a crazy, uh, draw of luck there. I went to the ship. Um, uh, and at that point too, I was kind of on the, 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 outs, like, you know, I just got married and I thinking about getting out and I don't know if the really, if the military's for me, uh, I had a really crappy chief at the hospital. Um, but then uh, a little bit later on, a good one came in and kind of sent me back straight and got me those orders or whatnot. But, so, yeah, they, uh, I made it through field med. And then uh, they canceled those orders to go to with the Marines. And I ended up going to the ship. I went to the USS Princeton. And that was kind of like a, a blessing in disguise, man, because we did some awesome things on there. We sailed the year on there. Um, picked up second class. Got both of my um, uh, air and surface warfare so it was kind of a blessing. And then all that, too, when Iraq went down, a lot of those kids, you know, if I was, a you know, third class, front, right. I would be, you know, lying corpsman right there. You never know what will happen, you know. Mm. So I don't know. You never know, man. Right. God does mysterious things.
0: So, what kind of ship was that? A cruiser. Cruiser.
1: Man, we had a good crew on there, all-male crew. There was like five uh, female officers, man. But that crew that was on that ship, we were so tight. And th- a lot of those guys on there, so right after 9-11, they were still on there. There were 140-some-odd days left. They were known. So, I mean, it's, you know, unclassified stuff now. They shot, like, 28 Tomahawks as soon as 9-11 went down. They were oh, wow. they, they were in theater. So they were, did 100-some-odd days straight out to sea and, you know, putting rounds down range and actually doing the mission. So hmm. I got to talk a lot of those guys. We, you know, be in the dock. You know now, man. Right. We were so tight. Everybody, you know, everybody knew us. So, yeah. And uh, my IDC there, he was, uh, man, he was awesome, dude. He's a former Greenside guy, so he always give me crap. He's like, oh, you know, you're getting your warfares and doing all these things, say with you, but you ain't never been in the Marines. <laughs> like, yeah, it blew my shoulder out, dude. So forever, man. I still talk to him to this day, man. Great mentor. But he's always giving me credit about not being with the Marines. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, were you on that ship for three years? I was.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like I said, made second class, got the warfare Sail of the year. I was actually the the um, the, um, the strike group sale of the year with Admiral Curtis. I don't know if you ever heard of that dude. He mm-hmm. was a one star back then, but yeah, a real good guy. And uh, yeah, man, started doing good things. So kind of like being that clown, you know, not knowing what I want to do to you know, started getting direction. You know, started going to school a little bit. You know, say over the year, getting my stuff together. Yeah, that was kind of the switch in there. You know, at the point that I was gonna do, I figured out kind of that, like, yeah, I'm gonna do 20.
0: So was that um, that IDC the the one that you know you say was kind of a mentor to you? Uh, was that the one that kind of um made you want to go to IDC school, or was that not until later on? A,
1: a little mm-hmm. bit later, he kind of um. Kind of hinted towards that a little bit. So he was only there with me for like the first year, and then he left. And but the other one there, um, uh, Cheek Juarez, Ray Juarez, he um, little Filipino dude, man. We had some good times in there too. But uh, so he, he was the kind. He trained me a lot. And uh, as far as the shipboard IDC, so I knew about doing like you know the the minor procedure and seeing sit call or whatever. I was pretty good at that. But uh, as far as all the programs, man, he, him and Mike, they both taught the you know bejesus out of me. So he would. So i think he strategically like would just wouldn't come into medical he would be like hey i got this going on he's like this is what i need you to do blah, uh and kind of like see if i would do it so he's like man he's like you know over the past six seven months like you're running this shop man you are the idc already like you don't I haven't realized that but i kind of been testing you so he's like you ever think about that and i was like well kind of you know me and the wife like she, she, she was making pretty good money we didn't really have any bills you know we did not live crazy or whatnot but mm. uh they threw out, so $60,000 bonus check to go to IDC school. You know, Corman, you know, I've been in now, what, that was 2004-ish when I decided to go there. So I'm looking at 10 years in, never had any SRBs. All See right. these guys that are re-enlisted on de- deployment, ET types, brand new, making like forty fifty, 50 um, tax-free. So I was like, $60,000, man? I was like, yeah, I'll take that. So, uh. <laughs> They uh, they got me to go to IDC school, man, get that n- nice little bonus. And they're like, yeah, you know, it's a kick in the pants. But if you make it through, you know, you get E6. And I was kind of having issues with, uh, you know, me being so long in that not really, you know, being driven and making rank, you know, didn't really care about the rank. I was just, you know, doing my job um, to making first class. I was like, yeah, you know, first class and 60 grand. I was like, sign me up. <laughs> so, yeah. so did you go right off
0: the ship? or
1: I did. Yeah, 2005. I went to IDC school.
0: Was it still in uh, San Diego? Was mm-hmm. It's always been out there. Mm-hmm. So um, is it still kind of the same thing to, you know, where it's, um, well, actually, don't I guess tell me because I really don't know because I've never <laughs> been. Uh, I just know it's it's like a year and a half long, right? Year, year, 13 year, months. 13 months. Yeah, yeah.
1: so So 12 months didactic and then a month of uh, doing your clinical rotations. So basically it's two years of the first two years of med school scrunched into one year. So they give you enough to be <laughs> scary out there, the real world enough medicine. but so back then man, it, I don't wanna say it was harder because it is my days, but honestly man, we had um, during the whole time, uh, we had three oral boards. So you do, you know, like the first they call it the block, whatever. So they they teach you in the very beginning about Sam's, but that was kind of it, right? You didn't have like now they give you computer the whole time, and it's kind of like you're on the ship. They let you run it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Then they would just teach you like this subject. All right, move on to the next. This subject, go on to the next. So in a in a one week period, that you would have the eye, you would have a test on the eyes on Monday. Tuesday you would be doing a physical exam on like the other section that you're working on, like say derm, like the whole body. So you would have to memorize, you know, three pages worth of what you're doing on. Tuesday. Tuesday, Wednesday, you have a break. Thursday is an oral board, and then Friday you got a test on something else. Like it was, we we had like 120 tests, 50 something physical exams, and then three oral boards. Jesus. So it was a kick, man. So they could ask you three questions from each subject. So those blocks that they have, if you will, mm-hmm. um, they had uh, like 12 12 classes in that block. So they can ask you 36 questions over anything you learn in that entire, uh, you know, three or four months. So it's like, uh, and you could look up two things if you want to. There's a bunch of books in front of you, but you don't want to have to do any look up. So it was scary. It's kind of like a real deal, like what doctors go through or board. So go through that. And then uh, at the very end, you know, you make it through uh, the first 11 uh, and a half months, the last little week or so there, they have what we call hell week. So you walk in on Monday morning and they give you a computer and they're like, okay, this is your ship. You just got to a brand new ship. Your supplies at like 30%. Your patients are all messed up in the computer. You got a whole dink list. So it's like you just took over a ship that somebody that got fired. So you have to fix all that by Friday. And by the way, you're still doing sick call. You still got this meeting. You have to talk to your CO and XO every day. It was like, no joke, you're really going to a ship and your entire medical department is hosed and you better fix this, doc. So it was just like, oh my goodness. But, you know, me being on the ship and running that. So Sam's, I could hand jam Sam's and supplies and patients like you couldn't believe. Me and this other guy, Jeb and Jeb and Janae. Uh, it was like Wednesday, and we're kicked up in the middle of the week. We got our feet up on the desk, and the chief walks in, and he's like, "Man, what the heck y'all doing? Aren't y'all supposed to be down there?" Like, "Oh, we're done with that." He's like, "Don't you ever say that again." Hey, but anyway, since you are, because they were like really into construction, they were talking about renovations of the houses or whatnot. So um, he was like, "Yeah, don't ever say that again." But you guys run and go, go do your thing or whatever. Like, don't be hanging out in here. So mm-hmm. he, they wanted to go be um, the BS or whatever. But uh, so yeah, man, that, the hell week, oh, man, it was no joke. And they had um, so you had to see six patients during the week. And one of them, you wouldn't know which one. I mean, they're kind of obvious, but uh, one of them was an emergency one and you had to get medevac. So they would make you, you have to do a medevac message and you have to go talk to the CEO and get permission to come off station and all that. It was was like, you're really on the ship and, you know, in the heat of the thing. And uh, by the way, your ship's all messed up and your medical department's hosed and uh, you have zero turnover. (laughs) So yeah, it's pretty crazy.
0: So were you actually, was it all like like acting almost, like the patients and stuff you had to see? Were you actually like seeing like, like actual so, sick call, like at like you know the. the no. Uh, <laughs> the,
1: um, they were instructors, and they okay. had they, they knew what the patient was, and they'd kind of give you the 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 signs and symptoms of what you needed to know to help the patient. There was a couple, you know, like oh this one's got a common cold, and this one's just got a musculoskeletal, and they're kind of see that you're doing the right um, the ligament exams for what you got going on. But so my Medevac one, I had a um, uh, appendicitis, so it was kind of easy, and they gave you like oh your white counts at like 25. And uh which is like weighed like double of what right. a normal one would be, and a uh, hundred and four fever pain in the right lower quadrant, so I mean you get that in your exam like you're asking the questions, but that was you know pretty easy one, but yeah it was it was it was kicking the pants man
0: so who's um Who's IDC taught by IDC school? Is it by other IDCs, IDCs or and doctors? And doctors,
1: yeah. yeah. So they have a uh, one PA, um, and uh, there's probably like six or seven doctors, and then most of the ones there are like seasoned IDCs. You have to, you have to have a independent uh, ship tour to go back to be able to teach there. So, yeah, those guys, and most of them, they teach, um, they they teach some of the, the the medical side of it. Most of it's the the admin part of it, but uh, the doctors mostly there's you, like you know the lymphatic system or the eyes or whatnot like the the, the medicine part of it it's mostly the doctors and the pas
0: so you, you made it through idc school um what how was like picking orders out of there like man. is it
1: <laughs> i got sold a dream so uh i was probably like fifth in my class and uh man we had this kid rob boyd he uh he had dropped out of medical school, like outside medical school. He had dropped out because his mom got really sick. This dude graduated with like a 99 average oh, <laughs> in wow. IDC school. So he was like, yeah, okay, you get to pick first. It Kind of the same way, you know, what your orders were. But um, so the detailer at that time, and I don't want to say her name, but everybody knows she's kind of hard to work with. They were like, hey, we need somebody in Bahrain because we just had somebody that, you know, got de-screened from there so uh if you go to Bahrain it's considered arduous you know um uh, sea duty or whatnot Mm -hmm. uh overseas type whatever shore duty so um if you go to Bahrain for one year you'll have your pick after that like you pick anywhere you want after that I was like all right cool you know I'll go to Bahrain so uh uh I and I kind of did that because I was going through a divorce at that time so I'm like you know what let me get away do my thing go out there be in Bahrain um Uh, back then you made pretty good money too so i was like yeah it doesn't sound like a bad gig you know i'm there three months and i'll be able to pick orders and come back you know within three months i'll be picking for orders and then uh you know i'm not really worried about you know being away because i'm going through a divorce whatnot but yeah i mean that and bob rain was awesome i ended up meeting my wife out there my wife now and then uh um so during that time, though, uh, I went with the Marines. You remember in 2006, that's when I was out there, the um, the Lebanon bombings? Mm-hmm. So I went with the first fast. They they needed medical out there, so I went with the Marines out there, and we did a humanitarian, like um, pulling out a bunch of people from the embassy out there. Oh, wow. So we weren't really getting, like, shot at and all that stuff, but it was um, it was still kind of a little crazy that was out there at that time. Like, we're all, you know, weaponed up and all that and pulling people out. It was it was pretty, pretty wild. But, yeah, that was my first taste of really being with the Marines. Marines. So yeah, it was just me. There had a baby doc that was there. He was second class, and then me as the IDC, and it was just me and him, and you know, a platoon full of uh, uh, fast Marines.
0: So you, um, so you didn't, you didn't go to a. Sh- it was a, a uh, just like the clinic out yeah. there, or okay.
1: Branch health clinic Bahrain. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, where did you go to next?
1: So after they're um, called back, hey, hey, you know, I'm out here. I did Bahrain, like I get my choice of orders. <clears throat> they were like, Oh same same detailer. She was like, Oh well, you know, it kinda needs in the Navy, blah blah blah. Like we have this new C B battalion that's being built over here. You know, I just got married, uh I had twins on the way. Uh I was like, No, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to Gulfport, Mississippi. So <laughs> low and behold. I'm not going to Gulfport, Mississippi to go to this, you know, new C B unit. Like, what can you do? Like, nothing. She's like, Well, okay, we'll give it a little bit of time, you know, we'll see in a couple of weeks if we have anything. Like down to the last minute. You know, like I said, my wife was pregnant, and she was having twins, so we were like, oh, you know, I need to do something. She called me up. She's like, hey, I got a ship in the States. I'm like, I'll take it. She's like, you don't even know where it is or what it is. I was like, I don't care. Like, you know, you have to be back to the States. You know, my wife's pregnant, blah, blah, blah. So I got orders to uh, Abraham Lincoln, the carrier, and at that time she was in uh, Washington.
0: Okay. <clears throat> so was was your wife out there? with? Oh, you said you met, you met her out there, yeah. right? Okay. She was a
1: cornman too, but she worked uh, in the dental clinic on the – so back then, they were split off. So she worked over in the dental side. I was over in medical. And then, uh, you know, going through a divorce, hanging out in Bahrain, you know, doing our thing, playing ball and all that, you know, running into her a lot. We ended up getting together. And then it was crazy, man, like six months. Like, hey, you know, you want to get married? And she's like, yeah. Well, you want to have kids? She's like, yeah. Like, not even hesitate. It was weird, <laughs> man. Just like six months into it. Like, yeah, let's go have some kids. She's like, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, and now 12 years later, here we are.
0: That's awesome. So you um – um did you, because isn't there, aren't they in Norfolk or no? They were like, They moved, yeah, they, yeah, they're okay. in
1: Norfolk now. So they were in, uh, so it was crazy, man. So especially with the twins being born. So uh, the ship was in Everett, mm-hmm. but um, so she was still in at that time. And uh, mm-hmm. they gave her orders to Bremerton, which is still, you know, you can't drive anywhere over there. You got to take ferries and all that. You could drive all the way around. So um, her being, uh, having twins, she was considered a complicated pregnancy. But then she actually, she went into labor like 26 weeks. So she oh, wow. was like super 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 early. So they uh, shipped her over they have a uh, real good NICU there, man, they were awesome. Uh, NICU unit over in uh, Tacoma. So uh, they put her up in the Army um, not the Fisher house. it was like um, the Fisher house paid for it, but they were full at that time, but they put her like in the lodge, the Army Lodge. They put us up in there for the three months that we were there oh, paid wow. for all of that while the girls were up there, the twins up there in the, uh, in the NICU so that's awesome I would go in the morning uh, I would drive from Tacoma all the way <laughs> and I the ferry times didn't work at that time so I had to like drive all the way I was kind of like in between you know so I had to drive all the way to Everett and then I would go work all day and I would leave Everett to go to Tacoma and then it would be, like, 7 o'clock at night. So I'll wake up at 3 in the morning, work, and then get back at 7 at night, you know, with my brand-new, you know, kids. And sometimes, you know, in the NICU, like, once they got a little bigger, uh, they would let us uh, hold them or whatnot. Like, I'm falling asleep with a kid in my hand. She's like, you know, wake up, that's your kids. I'm like, man, like, <laughs> been up working all day, driving freaking eight hours. It was, man, it was, it was a beast. But, yeah, so the ship being in Everett, and then we would do our yard period in Bremerton, which is, so we'd do a carpool thing. It's like, okay, l- let me think about this. I could be on the ship. Um, and the yard periods on the Bremerton side, um, you know, when, when the ship is in the yard and not going underway, because we still have like little underway periods. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, if I stay where the, you know, the wife is in Bremerton, when the ship's underway, I don't have to worry about all this driving. But if I do that, if we live in Everett side and we got to worry about it over here, like I know every day <laughs> that it's going to be in port. So I'm going to take that drive every day. like now let's just live in bremerton it's close for you you know the kids are right there by the hospital but that carpooling and you know three o'clock mornings all the time to catch a carpool to get home at seven at night man it was rough
0: so what was uh being because carriers have like pretty big medical departments right like Mm -hmm. there's actually doctors and stuff so what was um what's kind of like the role in, in the idc there man
1: they crapped on me. So our, <laughs> we our our smo the senior medical officer there. He refused to see patients. He was a brand new. He was an admin, um, um, uh, hospital guy, if you will. He refused to see patients unless they went through the, the me and the pa and the doctor and like, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, I have two doctors here. I don't need to see anybody. I'm gonna do the admin thing. He was horrible, horrible leader, a horrible person. It was just bad. Um, then we had our doctor. That was on his way out. He was, man, he was, he was almost 75 years old. Cause you know, as a doctor, like you can right. work forever if you want to. He would, you could tell man. he was old. Been, <laughs> he was like 40 something years in. Wow. So, uh, um, he would come for the morning. So, you know, on a carrier, they have a the night shift for the air guys. Right. So, um, he would come in in the morning and do the sick call and then you would never see him again. Him and the PA. The PA would be in there too, but they would never be in medical again unless there was a medical emergency. So they would go in there and play cards and whatnot, blah, blah, blah. So who's left to see all the the, the patients or whatever? So I didn't have – I had a lot more corpsmen to do the admin stuff, but I was a patient seeing machine like, all day. I think that's kind of what burnt me out. Like, no joke for the – because I did a split tour there. You know, I did the year in Bahrain, so I only had two years on the ship. Okay, So that – patients all day like 15 20 patients in the morning and then probably another 10 at night so 25 patients in a day i was spent plus again too had a really bad leader my senior chief horrible person as well so (laughs) it just it it was a bad mix over there man
0: well is it still like very like um program intensive or
1: is it a little bit easier cuz there's so many of you No that so the programs I mean I had a PMT I had a met and we had some really good people on there so I didn't do anything as far as any programs like no joke my only job in life was to see patients so you're at like teach. a clinic almost it was teach the the new corpsman that came in how we run sick call and see patients all day oh you're at night and you're on night checks okay cool come back in we got night check sick call so i'd have like a little break to go work out and come back and then we'd see patients for another four hours until taps
0: would you say that it was a grind you um <coughs> do you like that better than like small well were, were you ever on oh, a small boy or yeah. you were so the princeton you know oh, baby okay that's right i'm on sorry that. Yep.
1: and then uh, i did a few after that you know that Later on, after these years, but yeah, um, I would take a small boy in a heartbeat, man. It's a lot more programs and work, but just the, the camaraderie, the getting things done, not having to worry about so much. just, man, and being your own leader. You know, even as a first class on a on the small boy, you have a lot of power on there, and the people listen to you. On the carrier, man, every department has a captain. They don't care. Like, That's crazy. I, I'm in my purview. I don't care what you got going on.
0: I remember when um when I was getting force converted. I, uh, my brother was on the Truman. He was a AM. He was in for like five years. And I remember mean, I, w- I was going through like his cruise book and like, just like how many different cause I like, you know, submarines. We have three department heads. That's it. We have the nav, yeah. the, the weps and the, and the, what well, we call them eng. Or I guess we call yeah. on the service. Well, I'm Chang. Yeah. Um, but like, that's it. But like, I was going through like his cruise book and like, just, and I'm still learning here. Just like the, the way that it's like broken up and it's, it's, it's like it's so, a world. yeah, it's so tot- the same way.
1: Like on the small boy, same as on the sub, man. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows everybody and you right. want to be there. Kind of like, you know, I want to say you're at war, but yeah, like mm-hmm. you're there for the person next to you. Like right. you guys are in it together. So mm-hmm. you, you, that bond, man, you mm-hmm. come a lot closer.
0: Yeah, it's, uh, <coughs> that's, that's what I was trying to like when I'm, um, so when I was going through that, that the uh, the cross rating, um, you know, I, I was worried about going to like a, a whole new community, right? Like my whole career was set for submarines. I knew exactly what I want to do. And then you know, obviously, it, it changed pretty fast. <laughs> um, so that's why when I was in core school, luckily, uh, so as a fleet returnee, Bumed pays for me to to go through. So they didn't give us any opportunity to go to, and not even FMTB, yeah. because Bumed didn't want to pay for it. So they let us they let us pick orders first. As as a, it was me, um, and and one other guy was a fleet returnee in the class of eighty of us. So that's why I I decided to pick Kings Bay because I was like. You know, hopefully, um, subs. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's a submarine base, and I, I was hoping a lot of the leadership would be sub IDCs. So they may not be, you know, sub rates, but I mean, you know, they have their dolphins, they, yeah, you know, they, yeah, they kind of yeah. get it. And luckily, I was right. Um, so it, it kind of made the transition a little bit, a little bit easier. But when I was coming up for these orders, cause I got, uh, as much as I enjoyed my, my division, uh, I got burnt out doing the same thing every day, yeah. doing P, uh, PHAs or, or like readiness. Um, and, you know, coming from a ship, doing maintenance, and uh, I was doing, like, EKMS and all that kind of stuff. I, I missed having different entities on my job. So as soon as I came in my window, I called my detailer. I at—I only did 18 months at Kings Bay. I said, if you can get me on a ship in Mayport, because me and my wife just recently bought a house, you know, in yeah. Kings Bay. I was like, I'll leave tomorrow. Um, and I actually had orders a week later, so yeah, it was pretty good. it was pretty awesome. But um, what was I getting at with this story? Oh, uh, a lot of this, I talked to a lot of my LPLs and chiefs there. <clears throat> and they're like the best bet if you want to stay with like the summary mentality brotherhood. And he was like, they're like, go small boy. So yeah. that's that's a uh, and it, it it worked out for me. I must say I've been pretty lucky with with leaders and like orders in, in my short seven years I've been in. But yeah. I've I haven't been screwed or disappointed yet, which is I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing. That's
1: good. <laughs> um, I say it makes you a little bit stronger, but going through mm-hmm. it, man, it's bad.
0: Yeah. So um. So you, you did your, your tour, uh, on the Lincoln. Um, cause you guys still have like a seashore, right? Same kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, where, where'd you go to next? So
1: after that, uh, I had a new detailer in there and I actually knew him. So I am like, look, man, this is why <laughs> I got kicked around, you know, I got kids and whatnot. I was like, uh, what do you got out there? You know, I want to go shore duty. Uh, so he had Hawaii. So I'm like, yeah, let me go to Hawaii. So yeah, that was awesome. Uh, went out to Hawaii but then yeah I was there a little about a year and then like hey um so we had um seven IDCs and the entire island so we had like KB, and you had the Makalapa base right there in Pearl Harbor Mm -hmm. and then you got like the NIOC and Wahiwa and all these you know outlying clinics so we had seven of us and they were all getting plucked for you know going overseas so you know, just reading stuff and seeing things like a lot of the army guys like I don't really want to go army, man, because like, the, the, you look at the casualties and all that and what's going down. Like the army, they're 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 not up to par with the marines in my book. So let me let me see what's up. So I get out there. Oh, I was a sailor of the year again. Um, admiral Faison, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the four the admiral. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, he was there as a. He was NAB West at that time out in San Diego, and he came out, and he's like, what can I do for y'all? I was like, well, actually, sir, he's like, I, like, I want to go on deployment with the Marines. He's like, what? He's like, yeah, you know, I see everybody going on these IAs. He's like, I want to go with the Marines. Like, no joke, man, like a week later, I don't know who he talked to, whatever happened. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, thank God, but not thank God. Like, I know I'm going to go, so let me go with, you know, where I feel a little bit more comfortable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, yeah, that was uh, – so we went to in Afghanistan. I don't know if you heard about Sangin, but it was kind of like the – the fallujah of iraq so mm-hmm. we got hit pretty freaking good but yeah i went with the first marine division out there one five uh, we took over from three five so coming into the country they're like oh yeah you're coming from ia like you can go advance party you know so whatever like, let me go out there a couple months early so they sent me out in january of uh 2011 and uh i went through uh, cold weather training with the marines got to know them whatnot uh hanging out there and then we went through combat trauma management, you know, the whole uh, the pig lab and all that, mm-hmm. and uh, the nido So we go through all that training, TCCC, just doing the whole workup with them. And then uh, they're like, yeah, you're going to advance party, so we could be here with our family. So since you're already gone from your family, like, you're not going to worry about going out there. Yeah, thanks, buddy. <laughs> so we are going into Relieve 3-5, and, man, they had like 200 and something casualties. Um, people that were hurt and mm-hmm. then uh they had lost 27 27 kias so uh, i'm like man like we're going into you know a pretty kinetic area right now so we need to be on our game so funny story so um the uh the pa that used to be there that i talked about that you would never see again he mm-hmm. had left towards the end of my tour on the lincoln and my new pa rich whitehead uh he was a real good dude man he was kind of crazy guy or whatever but uh he would uh he would definitely help with patience and he was kind of a knucklehead but uh he was uh he would love to train so, um, kind like of like the ones that I love—a guy that you, you hate at the time, but you love him because he teaches you, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I go into the the, uh, the BAS there, and I meet the chief, and we're talking and whatnot. And there was another IA guy, Mike Winsel. Man, I love that dude like a brother. You would know. So, um, I walk in there, Mike and Chad—they're hanging out, talking and whatnot. And this point, I'm still a first class. So, I go in there, and we're talking and whatnot. And like, oh, hey, let's go meet your battalion commander. Like, uh, but not battalion commander, my um, battalion um, uh, surgeon. So we go over in the office over there. Who was it? Friggin' Rich Whitehead. (laughs) He's like, man, this knuckle truck right here. He's like, I found who we're sending to... Because there was like three different fobs, right? So they had a doctor doctor who was... um Uh, Lieutenant, but kind of a brand-new doctor. They're like, okay, we'll put him over in Nole, which was one of the fobs we had. And then he was going to be at Jackson, the the surgeon. That's, like, where the head shed was, the H&S, and the battalion commander and all the the Marine um, leadership was. And then we had another one that was, like, in the stuff up there in the green zone. He's like, yeah, we're going to send Brown up there. I was like, man, he's like, I know you know what to do, man. But He's like, I know you've been trained well. So I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. So, you know, we're just laughing because, you know, we knew each other um, from the Lincoln. And then uh, we'll get out there and, like, find out that they got, you know, hit pretty good over the past few months. And we knew, too, at the time we were going in there that the poppy was about to harvest. So all their drugs and all mm-hmm. that stuff we knew was about to get pretty crazy. So we're going to Afghanistan and um, went advance advanced party. So I hung out with them. So the advanced party wasn't really all the, 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 the grunts. It was uh, the the snipers. So okay. they wanted to get in there. So I was rolling with the snipers in there, man. I ended up being, like, really good buddies with a lot of those guys. Uh, go into country they get us to um leatherneck we're hanging out there you know like camp cupcake and all of a sudden we're in you know Sangin up there and like day one you're you know getting shot at it's like man this is crazy um so we're hanging out in there and then finally everybody came in but uh yeah man it's funny i say that so you know a lot of people like you know oh, i grew up in the hood blah, blah, blah. like I'm, I'm gonna go over there and kill people blah, blah 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 but when when you get shot at man and that pucker factor kicks in like i don't care how gangster you think you are that the reality sets in man and those guys they do not fight fair and it's funny because you know they oh they can't shoot and, you know they pray and spray mm-hmm. but those ieds man so we had an amount of s- nine months that we were there so seven of the months were like you know having firefights and all that stuff we had like four people get shot but we had like 200 and something people hit IEDs because they're just like oh hey I'm shooting at you and you know Marines they'll like come after you they don't just like oh because you know if we go away and we don't come after you you're gonna be there tomorrow so let's like take you out now Mm -hmm. so uh yeah man it was it it was pretty wild so we had I had 12 corpsmen on the line so me being the IDC I had a couple in the BAS there and then uh, we had 12 line corpsmen. Four of those guys got hurt. So it's like kind of like being drunk driving. You know, they, you know, I got I got you patrolling out for eight hours, and you come back, you get a 30-minute break, mm-hmm. then you're gonna patrol another eight hours, and you know, you, you know, it takes a lot out of you you're out mm-hmm. there. You know, one is hot as bejesus, and those months, and you're out patrolling all that time, and you're sweating. But um, just your mindset, you know, like, is this like the, and honestly, when you're out there, you're thinking like, is this next step, the last step of my life? Like, Mm -hmm. that's some scary stuff, man. And it it, it drains you. So I was like, man, like sending them kids out there, it's like sending them out there drunk, man. It's stupid. So we got in trouble for it later. But uh, me and um, he was the SMDR there, um, Adam McPherson, we would go patrolling with him. We got in a little bit of trouble, you know, beyond that. But it's like, man, like, what do you want me to do, man? Like, I, It's not safe to put those kids out there. Like, granted, if something were to happen to me, then there's no provider there. We, we you know, mm-hmm. high insight looking at that. But at the at the time, like, we're like, I don't care. Like, let's, they, what they don't know, it won't hurt them. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was, it was a, a different time, man.
0: So did you do, um, so you, you, for most of your time, you're, since you were the, um, what is that called? Like senior line? Is that what you, cause there's like the line corpsmen are the ones that are actually out there. Right. And then yeah. senior line are the ones that kind of. So the,
1: the senior line is like the E4, the most okay. senior of the juniors. Okay. So there's one of them okay. and then they have, so the, the, those are the guys that go out patrolling and hanging out with the platoons. And mm-hmm. then you have the HNS or the, you know, the, the BAS guys, the battalion aid station guys that would hang out there waiting in case anything happened. Mm-hmm. We'd be there kind of like a standby emergency room, if you will. And then, uh, so it was me, I was a provider, me. Like, right. <laughs> and then, um, so all the KIAs and the people that came through, like I saw every single one of them. Uh, we had uh, McPherson, he was our senior medical department rep because he was a greenside forever, man. He um he did like four pumps in uh, Iraq. So um he was in charge of the BAS with me as the provider. And then we had like six other little corpsmen that just, you know, general corpsmen that would, you know, be there to give IVs or, you know, do whatever when we took casualties. But uh, yeah, so those line corpsmen, man, they, um, crazy, and this is a wild story. So they were going through, right, one, um, some g- a guy hit an IED, so like five guys got blown up, right? And one of them that was kind of close was a corpsman, right? So he got like a little pepper spray from the shrapnel and whatnot, like kind of like hit, but not really <laughs> hit, so he's coordinating this care, doing this thing, and uh, taking care of those guys. They get them packaged up. They go to run out here to the the landing zone for the take them to the helo. Somebody that was holding the stretcher hit another ID. So then they had like a man. They had 12 casualties overall. And this dude at that point, like he got hit. Um, blew out his eardrum like his whole side of his face couldn't see out of one of his eyes and they were like doc you're messed up but his adrenaline was going so bad he's like no leave me alone leave me alone like blah blah blah, coordinating all this care doing this stuff like 12 casualties at one time for you know one corpsman man it was crazy and then we had um two of our other corpsmen they actually stepped on id so they both were below the knee amputations so you know two of them losing their leg and then another one he got hit pretty good he got shot so he ended up being out of the fight. So I only had eight of the 12 to go patrolling with all these people out there. So, yeah, man, we, we got hit pretty good, man.
0: How long were you out there?
1: Nine months. Nine months.
0: It's crazy. Yeah. Sometimes, like, I feel like, uh, I don't know if this is selfish or not, but um, cause I, I know, like, a lot of those people are my age. Because, I mean, I, I, uh, I graduated high school and I just like, I went and partied for like four years. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, two, if I would have joined out of high school, it's 2008. Like that's still right in the middle of, you know, the shit. So yeah. like, I just feel like if, you know, like where I, I possibly would have been if I did join out of high school. And, and like, sometimes I do feel guilty because like I said, I was just home partying carefree while other people yeah. overseas stepping on fucking IDs. So, but it's, I had, um, one of the other corpsmen I had, uh, Kind of a a a crappy situation turned good. Uh, his name was Tyler Burdick. Um He was an HM two. Uh, he was in a Humvee that got hit by an IED, um, and actually he was in the passenger seat, and it it hit the passenger side front tire, so it like blew up right underneath of him. Um, but uh, you know, fast forward five six years, he's actually a uh, Olympic um, uh, pair of snowboarder. So, so he was yeah. a. Um, he actually spoke at the corman ball last year in jacksonville that's how i that's how i met him um and then, uh, i actually had him on my on the podcast a couple months ago so it's pretty cool to you know like that's, that, that, that's a cool story we had one uh,
1: booth josh booth that was one of the ones he uh, had a below the amputation he uh so when he came back he was working there at the wounded warrior uh, in uh in uh, san diego so he would, like they would just hang out and you know tell you know stories and talk to each other kind of like a support group but he started working in the prosthetic lab, and that's what he does for a living now. He went to school oh, and started wow. doing that as well, and he's kind of like an advocate and, you know, um, um, a spokesperson, if you will, about, uh, you know, cause those guys, man, you know, going around. Especially we had uh, one that was double amputee. You know, that's a big change in your life, and a lot mm-hmm. of those guys, being what they've been through and, you know, seeing your friends pass, you know, over there and whatnot, like, a lot of them, they want to take their lives, man. So, uh he's a, a speaker about that like yeah you know this sucks but you can get through it He's like look at me you know i was the same way and he he was one of the ones that I, yeah i'm a corpsman or whatnot but i don't really like what i'm doing i don't really want to be here blah 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 like i'm not you know but yeah he definitely changed his whole life around man and now he does that for a living helps makes prosthetics and is a, um, a motivational speaker that's I cool that's pretty badass man. that's awesome
0: see that's a, like that's that's really what i want uh this podcast to be is to be able to because like i said everyone knows the dakota myers and things like that and, and rightfully show you know i mean obviously you know medal of honor but there's tons of hundred thousands of stories like that that you know may, may never be be heard so um so what, what was coming home like i mean again you're you're in the in the thick of it um so like you know what, what was that like
1: it, so me being from Hawaii and being on an IA uh, individual augmentee, they um, so we get back to San Diego and there's like a big homecoming and everything and like there's not really a homecoming for me, you know, because my family is all still in San Diego and, and Hawaii, mm-hmm. so I'm like, man, we see some of the guys that guy I had heard or whatnot. Oh man, so like you said about a story, this is pretty cool. If you ever look up uh, Liam Dwyer, uh, D W Y E R, his first name's Liam. Um, Man, you could Google him right now, it'd be right on Sports Center. So he was one of the ones that hit an IED. So we're in there in country, and uh, I could. I vividly remember man he was in his little green silkies because the bas was right next to our hooch right so mm-hmm. they had a staff nco hooch which is like i'm not sleeping over there with all the brass whatever i'm gonna hang out with my men right so right. we're right next door but he comes over man it is so hot and he's in his little green silkies hanging out and he's talking about because he like to drive cars he was talking about this boss 302 he had just bought and he can't wait to get his new car blah 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 The next morning, man, he hit an IED. So it come across the wire that he was a triple amputee. I'm like, man, you know, he's talking about I bought this new car, and we had just been talking the night before that, man, like, oh, my God. So he came through there man he got beat up pretty good and went through a ton of surgeries man but so he has a blow the knee amputation, but they um they made a, a, a brace that hooked up to his knee where he could still drive uh, on wow. his driving legs so I'm like man how are you gonna do that but um on his like uh, I want to say like the day before on his alive day that he won the lime rock up there driving uh, at Mazda Motorsports like they hired him up because he could still you know drive real good but uh, look at that story man it's like on the top 10 the sports center for this guy you know <laughs> Awesome. doing his thing so you talk about like all these stories mm-hmm. this um, um, Sergeant Denning Aaron Denning we made him an honorary corpsman he was the one on Johnny on the spot when he hit so they were in the um, uh, one of the um, uh, Dakota what are the um, advisory teams for the ANA the mm-hmm. Afghan National Army guys mm-hmm. right he was like as soon as that happened Denning was on him for tourniquets doing his thing you know hey uh, weapon down range like doing his thing that he did some gangster stuff man like you would not believe like as soon as that blew up like he was there on the spot running towards yeah you know you hear something blow up like right. your, your first instinct is like let me get away from here right but he saved that dude's life, like no joke. And then a couple other guys that got hurt right there. We had one, so you know, abdominal bleeding. Mm-hmm. So you see somebody bleeding from their backside, man. You're like, that's worse than somebody, you know, that has any kind of gunshot in the arm or whatnot. But he recognized that and got him out of there first. While he's doing this other care, you know, usually a triple amputee, you're kind of scared. But he's like, no, that dude's bleeding from his butt. Like, I know something's up with him. It's Like, saving these guys' lives, man, like, wow. But uh, he ended up getting a silver star out of there, man. But um, that's awesome. But if you look at Liam Dwyer, man, that was that was probably the, seeing that dude again, man, is like awesome. But yeah, so we get back to California. Um, we're at Camp Pendleton, big parade deck, you know, everybody's there. Like, man, this sucks. It's cool because I'm seeing all my people, but it's like, man, I'm not with my family yet, man. So I ended up staying there for like another week, having to turn in all your gear and clean it up, mm-hmm. and you know, still it was it was all right because I mean we they, you know we were pretty tight, so I got to hang out with those guys a little bit. And then uh, finally getting back home to San uh, San Diego to um, Hawaii, man, it was good seeing the kids because you know that the, the twins were little at that time. And then the wife there running to me at the airport, man. A couple of the people at the the clinic were there because I landed kind of late at night. It was like ten at night, but all them being there for me, man, it was pretty cool.
0: <clears throat> nice. So um, so that was just like an an IA for you, yeah. you So Individual you, didn't, like, you didn't I wasn't like you know like PCS with that. Nah, nah, nah. yeah, okay. So, you're, you're kind of saying before with the Army, was it, um, so we were going with the Army a lot, right, as yeah. well, like uh, at that time?
1: So, it's funny, man. Not funny, but I would say funny to us, kind of <laughs> shitty. All right, so, and we saw this when we are in country, right? So... Uh, you drive through the mm-hmm. highway. There was like one paved road that we ended up paving, not us, but like the the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, they called it 9/11 because the you know the road that's going through there. So when you're going down there, you go down, you're doing your thing or whatever. You come back like four hours later, like that's four hours for them to do whatever they want. Right. So we're coming back and they're like, hey man, there were some people digging over there. Like y'all better be careful. Blah blah blah. Here comes the army, like coming around. Like no, we just came through here. Like no, like dude just said something, man. Like you could see like there's a little pile of rubble and all that crap by the side of the road because that was kind of how they would mark stuff. Right they're like no just go just go they freaking went around us blew up man freaking broke the axle here comes the taliban you know firefight like oh my god like what are you guys doing right here but the army when they go through so they're going through like a a convoy right they're taking fire the army they just keep running like oh man let's get through here they're (laughs) shooting at us You come back through, like, four or five hours later, hey, guess who's right there? The Taliban, again, shooting at you. Like, how stupid are you? So the (laughs) Marines, when you're coming through, if you get hit, like, they're going to come at you. Like, towards the front, we're going to bend around the back. you get hit in the back, they're going to bend around the front. Like, why would I let you be there, you know, five hours later? So the Army, their fighting tactics. I don't know. What I've seen out there, (laughs) not too bright. So I was like, yeah, let me go with the Marines.
0: Well, the, the, the idea behind it, right, is, like, the Marines go in take over and then the, then the army just kind of secures it afterwards yeah so <laughs> I don't know if that was like a myth or sorry or, to uh, all
1: you army people out there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah uh, I could say I could speak from firsthand experience at war but yeah
0: that's um so was that your uh only tour overseas or
1: so I did Italy way back when, and well, then uh, Bahrain, and then, you know, in <laughs> Afghanistan. But, yeah, the rest has all been on a lot of ships. ships.
0: So, um, I mean, because so we're getting pretty close to to modern time now, right?
1: Close, so. yeah. Hawaii, I left um, Hawaii in 14.
0: Okay. Yeah. So what did you go to after Did you uh, go back to a ship after that? I did.
1: Or? So I talked. Of course, I knew her. Uh, she was in Bahrain with me, my detailer, Amanda Wardley. And uh, I was like, hey, you know, me and Tanina, because she knew her, too. You know, we used to be, you know, buddies over there in, in Bahrain. I was like, hey, you know, we want to go back east coast, because that's where she's from, you know, New York. Mm-hmm. So she's like, uh, her parents don't fly so whenever they, you know, the twins are born. She wanted the surgery so early, they, uh, they drove all the way from, from New York in the wintertime the way over to uh, Washington but yeah she's like let me get over the east coast so I was like I really don't want Norfolk you know I've heard you know horror stories about Norfolk I don't want to go there and she's like oh man perfect you know I got a a frigate down there in Mayport I was like all right that's what's up I'll take that you know being from Florida so I went to the same OB Roberts another godsend man that so like you said a a frigate is pretty much like a submarine like not doing the same mission but Mm. the camaraderie (laughs) and amount of people we had like you know 190 people on there but we were we had three females one of them was our commanding officer and she was the best man <laughs> i love her awesome we'd be doing crossfit and all that stuff she would be out there we'd oh, go to cool. run the marathons we did a marathon overseas so we did like a, um i don't know what they call those where you like the, um send in the money and they give you all the medals and t-shirts and you do it from a distance you know what i mean uh, and, okay. and they just send in your times and all that stuff yeah. so our cmc he was a real big runner too but uh yeah the um funny story that my cmc that was on there eric cole he um his brother was my lpo that turned chief on the lincoln so i was like wait a minute cole i like it's like cole like he looks at me he's like you know my brother i was like yeah it's like pete your brother he's like yeah that's (laughs) crazy yeah, that shit, man. We were so tight. And there, even now, there's a page that we have. We all still talk, man. That's and, cool. I mean, it's only been like four years because, you know, she decommissioned. Mm-hmm. But, uh, man, that crew on there, we were so tight. It was everybody. Like, everybody was for everybody else, like not just me. Like, oh, you want to go get this qualification? I'm going to get my at right, anti-terrorism as a corpsman. Mm-hmm. I get my training. I'm going to go train like five other people, and they get their training. Oh, you want to stay in CDO? All right, cool. You get CDO and train these other people. So everybody, man, we made – this is insane on a frigate so you got 15 chiefs there in the mess right because i had picked up chief then Mm -hmm. uh we made three master chiefs five senior chiefs and nine chiefs on a frigate like it it was insane because that she let everybody she's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give you uh anything but if you want to earn it it's like i will give you what you earn you want to come up here because i was talking to her about like going up to cic being like a watch or something she's like that's way out of your realm she's like why don't you be a od I was like, what? She's like, yeah, come try this shit. We're like, what? All right. So, yeah, she let me do my OD up there. So I think cool. that's kind of like put me over the edge for senior chief, man. Let me do all that kind of stuff. But she was awesome, man. And I called her afterwards, too, when I made senior. I was like, you know, thank you for everything that you did for us, man. That crew loved you. And she actually, she just screened for command. She's going to be the CO on the uh, Vicksburg, oh, another fair. cruiser.
0: That's for so, my CO, he was the XO of the Vicksburg, yeah, the yeah. Uh, Commander Trotter. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, Sammy B. Roberts, man.
1: But FFG forever, freaking gone, man. So from 14, every year we deployed, every single year, we were gone more than 300 days for those three straight years. It's like, man, I can't get a break out of here. Like,
0: so what? What are the? So like, you know, speaking out of ignorance here, because again, I'm I'm new to the the surface fleet. What's the? Because I know frigates and um, cruisers are pretty much gone, right? There's a couple cruisers left was they
1: they're still well they got refitted they're doing that whole ages refitting so they're mm-hmm. we still have a good amount of of, uh, of cruisers they're oh. just getting refitted right now for the the capabilities that they have
0: so, so but frigates or I'm sorry not frigates uh yeah frigates, frigates though, are gone those are gone right
1: yeah we're the second to last one decommissioned
0: so what were there was it the similar uh mission sets is just you know, newer newer ships that we're using now, or is it?
1: Um, newer technology, yeah. So on there, we didn't have a whole lot of offensive stuff. We were more just surveillance, uh, defensive. So we we flew the Fire Scouts. You ever heard of those? Mm-hmm. Just like the drones. So we okay. had like a, this looked like a little helicopter, but it's like a, pretty much a drone that had this camera like, man, like millions of miles away. Like <laughs> I could see the freckles on your face. Um, so we just did that um, okay. uh, information gathering and whatnot. But yeah, all of our stuff was pretty much um, defensive kind of stuff. So yeah, but just the technology—that's why the cruisers too. You know, the technology that they're getting on there, the offensive stuff, and you know, things getting better over the the years. They're getting refitted.
0: And the biggest thing is the cruisers have two guns, right, compared to the just the one that mm-hmm. destroyers have. So so this is your um, so you're your IDC on there also. I'm assuming, right? So um, so was that your ship right because you did the tour on the lincoln Is so i did the princeton other, okay. the lincoln
1: uh sometime on the LaSalle, mm-hmm. um and then sammy b
0: so what's the um kind of comparing the two i mean you know you just did that short stint um in afghanistan what's kind of like your comparison between the the you know blue side green side you know the the pros <laughs> the cons the
1: being able to sleep at night. <laughs> but no, honestly, so over there, and we were in a brand new area. We didn't have any comms for the longest, so I had no internet, no no email, no none of that for the first whole time that we were over there. So you're taking all these casualties, and you can't even call home or know nothing. Like, we had this little tent eventually, like, three months in, um, uh, to be able to talk to anybody back home. So I'm sure they're wondering, like, hey, what's going on with you, all that. So on the ship and, like, kind of got back into that mindset, like, hey, I'm out to sea. Like, nothing's going to happen to me out here. You know, I get to, you know, stand my watches, and we're out here protecting the sea lanes. And, you know, I do my thing, and I have my three meals a day, and I could call home. I'd call them. I could uh, write home, you know, email and whatnot, and i get to sleep in a nice rack every night and get a good, good night's sleep. I could PT all the time vice you know getting woke up all the time like i said in afghanistan man like my i had days on end where i would barely sleep you know getting woke up at you know casualties or whatever just can't really sleep because you hear stuff going on mm. kind of vigilant and hyper uh sensitivity to anything going on around you so definitely uh like you said kind of being selfish but you know being on the ship is a lot safer and a little bit easier to deal with in, in my eyes
0: so with the what are some of the things, so like blue side, right? We, you know, we have, like you said, we have your, the, the programs, you know, you have like your 3M. On green side, is it, are you just doing record verifications and then... And, yeah. and
1: PMT, a lot of it. So when you're going okay. out and you're doing your field stuff, you still got to like do the latrines and sanitation and cooking and cleaning and all that, make sure everybody still doing your, your um, preventive medicine inspections, make sure they don't have no bugs and the food's good that you get in and all that stuff. So when you're eating MREs, that makes it a little bit easier. But <laughs> uh, just making sure, like, the the heads and all that are far enough away from everything and that you don't have to deal with, like, animals and bugs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The whole PMT, that's pretty much it. And the rest is just, like, the readiness. You don't have to worry about, like, site conservation and hearing and heat and all that stuff.
0: So with all the guns, it's probably hard to do here in conservation. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, um, we've been going for like an hour and a half now. <laughs> um, and I know you said you want to go watch some football. Um, so I, I always like to, to end it off. Um, you know, uh, even though I'm serving with you, I, I always, you know, you know, ser- or serving the same time as you, I was, I always like to, you know, thank you for your service. Obviously, you know, you, you've been in a lot longer than me. Um, you know, especially anyone, I don't care how long you've been, you, you did overseas. Um, you deserve a thank you for that no matter what. Um, so thank you for that senior. Um, and just get any kind of, uh, I have a lot of like people in depth and stuff who, who watch or sorry, not watch, but listen to the podcast. Um, so I always like to, to have my guests just kind of last word on, on some new sailors, new corpsmen, just, uh, mainly new sailors in general, just words of advice. Um, you know, it's kind of open-end question. <laughs> so
1: I definitely could say, as you heard already, if you've been listening, uh, the whole knucklehead coming in, not really knowing, having any direction in life, it definitely, uh, and having some pretty bad leadership. It, it may be a lot stronger, but I could definitely say uh, don't judge – the Navy by your first command. Like if you like it, yeah, that's fine. But the good thing about the Navy is that you you can't really get fired unless you mess up. Like you don't even have to be great at your job. You just have to be good at your job and uh, come to work, be on time and do your job. Like you won't get fired. In the outside world, they could be like, oh, I'm downsizing, peace out, you're gone. That happened to my dad, you know, 25 years, working a job, like, oh, you don't have no pension because our pension system is 30 years. So here's your little severance pay, peace out, and you're just done, like, what are you gonna do? You gotta work for the rest of your life. You get great medical. You get to see the world. Like, you know, I've been through a lot of things and seen a lot of stuff. But you know, having a, a paycheck for the rest of my life, passing down my GI Bill. Man, I'm, I just now finished my second master's. I've never touched any of that wow. money. So my kids have the GI Bill. It's great for your family. Uh, yeah, there's time away and it's rough sometimes. But uh, I would say don't don't um, judge the Navy and the military on just being at one place. Cause you know, sometimes it could be great. Sometimes it could be bad, but the good thing about that is people are leaving you're going to leave or they're going to leave. Mm-hmm. So either way, uh, just make the best of where you're at. I've always, um, my mentors and leadership, you probably heard it too as well. They're like bloom where you're planted. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you might get a, a crappy orders. Like, yeah, I got to go to Norfolk and I'm stuck at this uh, ship that has a horrible reputation. Make it better. Do better, like you know, bloom where you're planted. I won't say milk the Navy or the military for everything what it is, but do that. Like, get as much as you can out of it. Like, why would you just want to sit there and do nothing? Like, go to school, be the best person you can, because it's easy. Like, you, you know, you know, second class already in seven years. You know, on the ship, you you learn a lot on the ship, and you you you're a lot better set up to take the exam. These people that are sitting there doing vital signs, they're not. Right. So you have the keys to the to the car. You just gotta want to drive it. So I mean get out there and study because it's all on you up to e6 it's all on you so Mm -hmm. if you study your butt off yeah the numbers are crappy but if you're great at your job and get good evaluations and study you can make rank which equals more money which equals more power and you don't have to worry about getting those cruddy jobs because you know you're the lonely semen or whatnot but uh i say you know they tell you to leave something with a quote and kind of something that comes to mind uh there you know, you heard that saying about uh you can lead a horse to water but uh you can't make him drink. Uh, you push his head down in the water but you still can't make it drink. But uh after that I heard like hey, can you make that horse want to drink? Can you make that uh can you make him thirsty enough to want to drink? Like man that's pretty deep, you know. Mm-hmm. Like make them want to work for you and be that that leader. And so me being a knucklehead and going through all that. That's why I still love doing what I do and hang around so long is because I don't want them to go through what I went through and those bad leaders and just taking forever to make rank, cause you know I could have made rank a lot faster than I did. I just had no direction. I was more about partying and hanging out. So go out there and uh, and and be that leader and take care of these guys. And man, you see like see, make them go to IDC school or do whatever you can. You can flourish easy.
0: Cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, Thanks for
1: having me. No, My
0: pleasure.
1: No, 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 no.